Hello, and welcome to episode 155 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I am your slightly hungover host, Derek Eamesbergen. I'm Embryonics on Twitter. That's at E-M-B-R-Y-O-N-X. And today I am joined by the lovely Caitlin Argeros. Hey, guys. Here she is. I am still Lian underscore Kazarol, however you want to spell that. I could spell L-I-A-N underscore K-A-Z-A-I-R-L, because the way I pronounce both of those names is probably kind of weird. But well, it, that's there me. it is. In case you've heard it a million times and you're like, I just cannot find her on the internet. Now you know how to spell it. We are also joined by Nathan Lee, the resident persona dancing expert. Hey guys, how's it going? I am Special 27 on Twitter. <laughs> Welcome. Glad to have you here. And then as always, my lovely Canadian co-host, Greg Delmage. Hi everybody. I'm at Greg Delmage on the Twitters and G Delmage on the Discords and I'm hungover on video editing. It's a different kind of hangover, to be sure. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, one of these. One of us played too hard. One of us worked too hard. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Yeah, thanks. I'm proud of you too. Uh, it's been a weekend of play in a lot of ways. We had uh, the monumental release of Smash Brothers Ultimate on Friday, finally. Which oh, yeah. uh, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I've been playing it a ton. I'm hoping uh, soon. I hope you get to play it soon too. And we'll we'll definitely talk about that a bit today because there's some stuff related to Smash that I want to discuss as well. But uh, besides that, it was a super busy weekend of video game announcements at the Game Awards, which was unexpectedly um, really on point and had a lot of cool, meaningful, and exciting stuff coming out of it, which I, I didn't uh, in any way anticipate. So I'm very excited to delve into all those announcements and such. And uh, I don't know, it's like rumors are swirling everywhere. There's all kinds of things that we need to discuss since it's been a while, uh, since our last podcast with a full crew. And I can't wait to get some sizzling discussion going. Uh, I just want to do a little check-in first of all. Caitlin, how have you been? What's going on with you? I am doing well, as always. Um, You know, the whole librarian thing is still going good, so... That's uh, that's all nice, and um, I'm still spending most of my time trying to prog Savage in Final Fantasy XIV because uh, that's what I do. What have you cleared um, up to, uh, 11S? I've, uh, I have 11S on farm, and I'm trying to get past Doorboss in uh, 12S, so it the struggle continues. I feel like um, there aren't as many people uh, on Party Finder uh, as there were for the last tier at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's been a struggle. Uh, I have a static and I have to wait until they're done for the week before I can be pugging ahead. So that kind of means I don't have as much access to uh, groups as I'd like. So it's a slow process, but it will, it will happen. Um, I know it. I believe in you. It's kind of a slow time. Yeah. Right. It's a bit of a slow time for 14 at the moment anyway, since we're yeah. for our next patch in January before. And then we have one in January, one in March, and then the expansion comes out in the summer. So it's going to be excited. very exciting. I know. I can't wait. Um, we talked a, a bit about Shadowbringers in the last episode, and I'm sorry you weren't here to discuss it. but Well, well we can when we have more more details from a live letter or as we get close to launch. We can we can gab and we can speculate. And Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, we can. And I'll live vicariously through you both. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing about Final Fantasy XIV is you could just, if you're not interested in clearing high-level content yourself, you can always just go on YouTube and, like, check out some of the cinematics or watch some of these fights. It's true. I've listened to a lot of music, music and most of it comes with uh, battle footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's And really it looks cool. rad. Yeah. Good. 
Caitlin, I'm glad you're doing well with your uh, 14 progress and uh, that you've got, well, you've got an SSD coming soon so you can game even better than ever. Faster. Yeah, maybe I'll eventually actually buy the game on PC and be a, a PC player instead of a PS4 player. We'll mm -hmm. see. I would recommend it, but <laughs> whatever works best for you. Uh, and then let's check in with Nathan. Nathan, you've been dancing the night away, haven't you? Yeah, I have. It was like, uh, it's funny because I was not expecting to review uh, Persona 3 because I haven't actually played that one yet. So I was missing a little bit of like, you know, the context of the characters and the music itself, but still very enjoyable regardless. Yeah. And uh, the... Persona, it's it's funny, like, I was looking at the Persona 3 and 5 dancing stuff. I guess this is, like, a slight non sequitur, but or whatever. But uh, the DLC for it, first of all, if you buy all the DLC, it costs more than um, the game. <laughs> it's, it's, like, 80 bucks or something for all of the DLC that's available, which doesn't even include a couple of the songs that are uh, exclusive to, like, specific characters that they come with, Labrys and Show. Oh, my gosh. Those are so expensive. Uh, <laughs> and I also noticed that the, the DLC song packs don't actually let you dance with the characters in game. Like they're all sort of music videos. And so it's like you can't even use the costumes that you buy with the DLC in it. I don't know. I mean, I didn't mean to immediately crap on those games because uh, it's I, I love Persona music and rhythm games are fantastic. But the pricing model for that is pretty wild. Yeah, but I feel like that happens a lot with music with rhythm games these days is they all the DLC that they have just costs a ton. Yeah. They can just parcel it out. Uh, well, I'm glad you've been enjoying the games. At least you, you did review them so you can check out Nathan's take on both persona three and five dancing over at the, the main page, rpgfound.com. Check out the review section. And what did you think of them overall? You thought they were pretty good. Yeah. I thought they were pretty good. There's, I kind of wish there was a story to them because I, especially with Persona 3, I have no context at all. So it's kind of just like, I guess I'm just playing music videos for my enjoyment. But Persona 5 is, I, I liked it a lot, but yeah, just the, care, the social links just weren't enough for me. I just kind of wanted more to, to everyone's story, especially because I, I like hanging out with these characters so much that I kind of wish there was just more to it than just like generic, uh, basically social events. Yeah, because a lot of the social events are just like, I'm working on my moves. What do you think? Insert character name and other characters like, wow, you're so stylish. I didn't know you had it in you. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, like that's every every conversation. That sounds pretty insipid. It's fairly insipid. I would I will say I think that the uh, the localization in this is better than Persona 5's base game. <laughs> so it's it's mm -hmm. kind of funny seeing some of the dialogue like oh, okay there's a there's a bit more flavor here than what you got in the main game at times so it would have been nice to have that level of polish um but but yeah the actual content of the conversations is often just like we sure had fun dancing today didn't we guys Woo! go yeah. team yeah <laughs> yeah basically yeah. what it is yeah that's i mean that's like being reductive but uh yeah not not a proper story mode still Pretty fun games. I've been dabbling in them myself, and I like them quite a bit. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, expensive, and uh, there's not a lot of story. But that's okay. Random question. Yeah. Yes. If they made a version of Just Dance where it's Persona, it's like you are the Persona character, and it's Persona music. Would you buy it? Like a like a, a motion control. Yeah, like a camera motion control, like Just Dance, but with Persona music. <laughs> 
personally, I'm really big into rhythm games, and I like physical activity, so I would probably, yeah, buy that. But I'd have to get, like, a PlayStation camera and stuff again for it. So, yeah, I actually would. How about you? I would. Yeah, I'm into it. I probably would. I mean, they're like they put a lot of care into the animations in the Persona Three and Five dancing games, anyway. So I'm not sure I can break dance quite like Joker does, but <laughs> uh, I'll do my best, I guess. So. That reminds me, I actually went out to an arcade uh, here in the suburbs of Chicago, and they have—I I love this arcade because they have uh, Theater Rhythm, Final Fantasy, All Star Carnival machines. Oh yes, I saw you tweet about that. Oh my God, they make I me so—they make me so happy. Um, they're still updating those, by the way, and they have those machines that they have at that arcade are connected to the net, so they're getting new songs every week or whatever. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah, I feel like that was a missed opportunity with like Rick Curtain Call. Like, I feel like they could still be making songs and money off of that game. I'm just hoping that this the All Star Carnival from the arcades comes to Switch or something because that's a oh, game yeah. that I mean, you oh, want to yeah, you want to talk about like itemizing uh, song DLC at a premium and having people be suckers and buy into it. That's me. I will buy every song for that damn game. Um, yup. Yeah, but I was going to say at the arcade they have, I forget what it's called, but Konami has a new dancing game. Uh, it's like they're, they they actually had Dance Evolution at one point because they, they had Dance Dance Revolution and then I think Dance Evolution. And I forget what the new one is called. Something Stage? I could be totally wrong. But it's actually like a, a more motion-oriented experience where like you have this floor panel made of LEDs and you have to actually slide your feet and like crouch beneath a certain threshold for the camera to recognize you and stuff. So it's a little bit closer to some of the games that we used to see on the Xbox 360 Connect, but um, in Konami's signature style. So if they made something like that flashy with a Persona twist, I would be all over it. It's very cool. Um, since I've just been gabbing a little bit, I haven't asked you how you're doing, Greg. What's going on with you? You're working on those videos for us uh, day and night, it would seem. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, my time has gone into that lately, which has been very rewarding because it's been fun work in a lot of ways. It's just uh, I, I need to get caught up ahead a bit. Just the way uh, things kind of came out, it just kind of I wasn't able to get the backlog done that I would have liked to have had finished. But um, but it's been really fun because, uh, as I had said at some point yesterday, like I've been discovering a lot of great gems of some of the history of RPGs that I've missed out on, like um, Lunar and uh, Luvia and the Fortress of Doom. Uh, Dragon Quest Six, like they're all just like really nice polished games. Because I was definitely a kid whose exposure to RPGs was mostly the Square vein. Hmm. So it's nice to kind of get outside the box. Yeah, um, when when you put up that uh, info about Luffy, I was like, oh my god, I miss Luffy so much. <laughs> right? It's uh, it was it's uh, yeah, it's like a refreshing change from the Final Fantasy model. Mm-hmm. But uh, outside of that, uh, what I have been playing for fun has been uh, War of the Lions. I picked it up on my Android because it was on super sale with Black Friday. And I was like, all right, I'll do this. Oh, have um, you never played that version before? I, had it, I got through a bit of it on um, my iPod back before it had gotten stolen. Uh, so i gotten pretty far, but my iPod was an older version. It was really getting clunky and would crash at certain battles and stuff. So it was just not uh, sustainable as a, as a platform to play it on as they kept updating it. And I've just been holding out hope that they were going to port it to Steam since they're porting everything else. Mm. And they just haven't. And I was like, I want to play it on a big screen. Come on. But anyways, it was like $5. I'm like, okay, this is... All right, I'll do this. I'll give them another $5. This is fine. (laughs) How does it control for you? Really nice. Um, Yeah, I find it's really slick. And I could always 
the 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 the, the smoother models um the it's funny when you have like the whole the full rotation on like how it's clearly not fully designed for that because the model of the um the sprites themselves are um only for like the four directions kind of thing. So that can look a little wonky, but it's nice when you really need, like if one of those four directions just isn't get letting you see around a corner or something, it's nice yeah. to have that freedom to, uh, to, to latch onto. And um, yeah, it's, it, it's now a, my, my new phone could definitely handle what it has to give. So it's been really fun diving back into like, that's a game. It's one of the few games I can just binge, um, grinding forever i just find grinding in that game so satisfying <laughs> yeah it's funny you mentioned that because i've been playing tactics ogre let us cling together on my vita yes. recently and um finally said you know what i'm at work all this all these hours where i have downtime so i'm gonna start playing this game that i've owned for years and i'm really loving the crap out of it it's it's totally scratching that Final Fantasy Tactics itch, which mm. of course it should because it's the same yeah. team. Um, and it's interesting sort of comparing it to Tactics. There are, there are things that it does that I think were revolutionary, you know, that it does better than Tactics. And then it's there are things that it does that are not as good as Tactics. And it's kind of, it's interesting to be playing it knowing the history of the game and the history of this specific uh, 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 port remake. Um, the timing of it versus tactics and to see what they, what they incorporate, what they didn't incorporate and all that jazz, but it's really fun. And I'm, I'm getting kind of sucked into it. So I know the feeling of a really good portable strategy RPG experience. <laughs> and um, a funny story with that is uh, I messaged Caitlin about it actually a while ago. Cause when I first saw that Caitlin was playing it uh, when you're on a, uh, on PSN, it shows what people are playing and I saw that uh, she was playing War of the Lions, or not War of the Lions, um, blah, 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 Let Us Clean Together. And I had like a momentary like excitement, heart attack. I was like, what? I can download this on my PS4? How? Where? <laughs> Whatever. And I went looking through like the all the various offerings. I was like, it's not on there. And then I looked again and it said OPSP. And I was like, no. Psych. Uh, yeah. I've been wanting to play that game so bad. Totally unintentional psych, but psych. <laughs> you were playing totally. it on your Vita though, right? The PSP version? Yeah. 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 I need to get that myself, um, like a, a Vita d digital download of it, because I, I still have my PSP and I have uh, a handful of games for it, but it's almost all import stuff, like all the mm. the Trails games and what else, like Nayoto no Kisaki, and I still have Wild Arms XF. I need to get around <laughs> to that sometime. Speaking of tactical RPGs, have you, have any of you played that tangent? I didn't even know it was a thing. Nope. I've never played a Wild Arms game, Wild mm. Arms game before. I know I am horrible. Oh. It's okay. I'll allow it this time. No, <laughs> I miss Wild Arms. Nathan, have you played XF? Uh, I haven't played a Wild Arms game before. What? Oh my god! We, hey. we were having a discussion before the show where you guys said you hadn't played some things, and I was like, "What?" Caitlin and Greg have never played Journey. What? What is that all about? <laughs> oh no, I've been outed. I'm sorry. Well, I didn't have a PS3 when it was contemporary. And then now that I have my PS4, I just had too much on my plate. That's my excuse. <laughs> How dare you not stay on the cutting edge of an expensive hobby and have all of your experiences overlap with mine? How dare you? I am so sorry. We can't consider ourselves experts anymore, Greg. That's fair. All right. Well, uh, you two enjoyed the podcast. Kayla and I are going to go play Journey. We'll be back in about half an hour or Actually, whatever. I'd be, it is. I'd be happy to take a break for you to do that and come back. Uh, <laughs> that'd be a really funny interruption if I had the time. Yeah. And then suddenly, boop. 
uh, and then we return. It's like, oh, it's been three hours, and uh, Caitlin and Greg just had a transformative experience playing Journey for the <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, I hate sand. It's coarse. Oh, anyways. It gets everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Good reference. Well, on the topic of games that are currently out that folks have been playing, I know that we touched on it briefly in the last episode, but now that we have some more folks here who have put more time into it, I want to get y'all's thoughts on Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. Uh, beginning with, I think, Nathan, you've been playing it the most. Yeah. I've been kind of splitting my time between both versions. Oh, so you are playing both. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I usually get both versions of the games. See, as a true Pokemon fan, I'm such a scrub. He can trade oh. with himself. Trade with himself. It's true. It's also expensive because I had to get uh, I got the bundles for both, so that was like what? Oh my oh, gosh, wow. two hundred bucks. That's commitment. That, that plus tax for me. That's like three hundred dollars. Woof, woof. Why'd you get two Pokeballs? Um, I just uh, I'm just not big a Pokemon guy. Okay, it's... just so you can carry around both with you and get all your uh, yeah. experience bonuses and items and stuff. Yeah, plus I got my heart gold, soul silver. I got both of those versions too, the box versions. Uh-huh. With the Poke Walker. Yeah. I love that a, thing. A pair of balls wandering around. Yeah, well, I mean, welcome <laughs> to my life. Um, <laughs> Ooh, do tell. Which, which of the two versions, uh, do, do you have a preference, Pikachu versus Eevee, Nathan? Uh, I think Eevee, only because I'd like. I've, I've already done Pikachu because you know Pikachu has been in yellow, so I was mm-hmm. like, I'm more attached him to Eevee. Plus, Eevee's OP. Yeah, it sort of seems like because Eevee can get all those different type moves that are based on his evolutions, and he seems really overpowered compared yeah. to Pikachu. I mean, right. Pikachu is still OP, but yeah, but Eevee's super OP. Yeah, like because I I had Pikachu, and early on, I, the only special move that I learned was something. Wow, not Pika Kapow, but something Zap. Zippy Zap. Zippy Zap, thank you. Pika Kapow sounds adorable. It is, it is adorable. <laughs> yeah, Zippy Zap is just like a, it's an electric type physical move, I think, that uh, 100% of the time is a critical hit. It's like, are you kidding me? And it always goes first, so. Yeah, so you can just steamroll everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Eevee has all the different type moves, so you can use it against a lot more, uh, in a lot more situations, I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually, this is possibly kind of blasphemous, but I think Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee are perfectly good and cute, and I actually don't even really have a problem with the elimination of wild battles in this one, because I sort of see this as a, mm-hmm. a horizontal or like a lateral um, upgrade or whatever you want to call it. It's I don't see this as like the evolution of the main series. I see it as kind of a side thing. So mm-hmm. I'm not that bothered by the, the removal of the wild battles and stuff, but... I, I got pretty tired of it quickly. Uh, after around the third gym or so, I just lost all interest, and I, I haven't touched it since. And um, I don't think I will. I think I'm kind of over it. But my boyfriend has been playing a ton of... He's got Eevee, and he's um, just going hard on it all the time. And it's it's a lot of fun watching him, and I kind of like the idea of getting engaged as the second player with him, like helping him catch stuff and seeing what he's doing, rather than playing it myself for once. So... Um, you heard it here first. Derek's engaged. <laughs> engaged in a video game, perhaps. Uh, engaged in, in vile and gentleman, disgentlemanly, ungentlemanly pursuits. I don't know what I'm saying. I told you I was hungover before we started this podcast, okay? <laughs> uh, so yeah. are we titling this episode The Hangover? 
uh, as long as we avoid any and all uh, references to the movie The Hangover, that's fine. Okay, I'll take Gwen off of my chest then. She was strapped to it in preparation. Oh my god. I did not not like those movies. I've never watched them. I haven't either, so... Are we going to get shamed for that too, huh, Derek? No, that actually (laughs) elevates you, in my opinion. Good Good for you. Um, And Caitlin, did you say you've been playing it as well? I have. I... I fell to the craze. I, I wasn't going to, but uh, everybody in all of my circles was just talking about it constantly. So I, I started looking into it. And I am, I think <clears throat> I'm one of those target audiences for this game. Um, I am not a big Pokemon fan. I played Blue back in the day and I played like an hour or two of Pokemon X uh and got distracted and eventually got rid of it so i'm i'm not in the know i'm not a super fan i don't follow the series i barely remember mechanics and stuff like that um and this is i think you know the game that is kind of it can be it certainly is enjoyable by super fans but it is sort of you know out there to help attract new fans and people who've only played pokemon go um which i also downloaded and started playing because I have to have a Vulpix because I got Let's Go Pikachu, but I have to have a Vulpix. And a so, low or original? Uh, what I've caught in Go is the original. It's the one that I would want because I never played the Alolan games. Oh, gotcha. But um, so cute. If I find one, it'd be great. But, you will. Yeah. yeah. I try. I I I I pull it out whenever I'm like on the I'm walking around and whatnot, and or I'm at work and I'm bored and stuff like that. So I I catch Pokemon often enough. I haven't gotten to the point in Let's Go where I can access the park though to oh, yeah. get my uh, Pokemon. But I have my Switch and my phone connected, so when I get there, I can do that. So it's been a lot of fun. I mean, like it's kind of a nostalgia trip because. Uh, you know, this is, I never played yellow, but the elements of yellow were close enough to blue that uh, it feels a lot to me like I'm playing Gen 1 again, or I'm I'm playing through the anime, which was what originally got me interested in the games. I, of course, watched the anime first and thought, didn't even know there was a game series based off of it until after I started watching the anime. Huh. Um, it looks so great on the Switch. I think that I'm excited about the future of the series. I may even be excited about Gen 8 because the barrier for me, not the the total barrier, but part of the barrier was just the the graphics. Even on the 3DS, I mean, it was nice to have it in 3D, but the 3DS doesn't look very good. Um, So it was was, was easy to get distracted by other games on different systems that looked prettier um, just, just be- because of the resolution that they offered. So now that the games are on Switch and they look super pretty and I can take it to work with me when I'm bored, I think the draw is there a lot more to actually sit down and play the games and become a Pokemon fan again. It's so nice. Yeah, I, I think that um, as Greg and I were discussing in the previous episode, the intention of this particular iteration may not be to appeal to the hardest of hardcore fans who have followed every single iteration from 
red, blue, all the way up to here. It seems like more of a, um, an introductory title for either younger gamers or people with more experience with the show or just with the original generation who haven't picked it up in a long time mm-hmm. or people who have been playing a lot of Pokemon Go on their phones. And they're like, you know what? I want a little bit more of a robust experience than this, and I'm interested in seeing what they've done to the series since then. Yeah, like it seems like a really good kind of a, it's a gateway drug back into the world of Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. I, and it's pretty, I think it's successful at that. Um, I personally don't hold anything against it. I was just kind of surprised that my interest fell off so quickly. I think I just got distracted by other stuff. The the least of which uh, not being Smash, because that's going to be all of my time for the foreseeable future. What's up, Greg? Uh, and a random aside, I just randomly thought, let's grab Gwen, because she's been playing Let's Go Eevee, and she's sitting here with me if you want to ask her questions about it and put that into the podcast stuff. Yeah, that could Sounds be fine. good. Uh, should I have her right here right now? She was just listening to Caitlin talk about her thing. Oh, hi, nice. Gwen. Like hi, Gwen. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. Oh, I didn't We're... realize the microphone was just like right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right there. <laughs> have you been playing a lot of uh, Let's Go Pokemon? Oh, uh, I've been playing lots of Let's Go Eevee, but not Pikachu. Okay, so you've got Eevee. And do you like it? Are you having fun? Yes, it's really fun. Yeah, Eevee's really cute, huh? Yeah. Why do you have, why'd you pick Eevee? Well, I just pick Eevee because Eevee's my favorite Pokemon. Oh, that's a good choice. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Eevee's adorable. Have you dressed yours up or anything? Oh, yes, I have. Yeah? What do you have Eevee wearing? The sailor's cap. <laughs> oh, so cute. You get that one for the when you go on the boat, right? Yeah. Nice, nice. And you also get it for your character. Uh huh. Yep. Are you matching your Eevee? Yeah. Of course. You have to. <laughs> you have to be coordinated. Exactly. Oh, the thing that I like best about it is because my Eevee is overpowered. <laughs> <laughs> so you can just beat everything all at once, all in one go, huh? Yeah, because in one of these, oh, what's it called again? I forgot the name. Poke Center? No. Oh, yeah. One of the Poke Centers. Like, this guy that lets you have these three moves, like, all of them, Bouncy Bubble for Vaporeon, Sizzly Sly for Flareon, and Buzzy Buzz for Jolteon, because you can't evolve your Eevee. Mm-hmm. So, like, my Eevee's overpowered because there's three moves. You got all three of them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were talking about that earlier. It makes Eevee so strong. I know. Yeah. What do you like best about the game, though? Do you like fighting, or do you like catching the Pokemon? Yeah, you like fighting or catching Pokemon best? Um, I like fighting more. Yeah. Why is that? Because, like, it's just fun to, like, beat everybody in one hit. Oh, my yeah. overpowered Eevee. <laughs> You're so strong, exactly. Um, and did you, have you connected it all to your Pokemon Go? No. No, with your, are you dad's? No. Oh, okay. So, yeah. My dad deleted Pokemon Go, and I'm so sad because I got an Aerodactyl. <laughs> oh, no. Why did he delete um, it? Shame on you, Dad. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> it was probably like me before we knew this was coming out. Uh, I also took it off because I just wasn't using it as much anymore. So maybe I'll have to get it back. and Because your account should still be there. And if, yeah, my uh, account is still there. So you can probably re-download everything, I imagine. Yeah, and I hope my Eevee gym is still going because I made a gym with the four Eevees, the normal type, Jolteon, Bavorion, 
and Flareon. I made oh the gosh. gem with those four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. I'd be surprised if I saw that. I'd be like, who has all these different Eevee types? Yeah. Yeah, if Gwen was a gym leader, she'd be uh, an Eevee type. <laughs> be like a <laughs> an Eevee type. Yeah, I mean, they have the master trainers in uh, in Pokemon Let's Go, so she would be a master type Eevee trainer. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, Gwen, to talk about Let's Go uh, Eevee, I guess. But that's not all. That's not all. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> so I got she ain't with us. So I got a Pokemon oh, yeah. Plus, and it has a special Pokemon inside that I have now that battles with me in my Eevee that mostly doesn't really get a hit. Oh, yeah. Who is yours? Mew. It's Mew. Mew. Whoa. How'd you give Mew? It, it came in the Pokeball Plus, and there's only one, so my dad can't get... <laughs> keeping oh, it up for yourself yeah and also um my dad has the three uh red and blue starters oh that makes sense oh so uh bulbasaur and they're all fully evolved oh nice. now they're all super strong yeah, who do you I like best of those yeah, which one do you like best i'm a always Fire starter. It's true. It's a Charizard. Ooh, Charizard. Good choice. I like Venusaur. Ditto. I'm right there with you. Bulbasaur is my jam. <laughs> well, when my dad played Pokemon Blue, he had all three of them because he traded with his brother named Brad. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He's very wise. That's, that's what you have to you used to have to do that, yeah, back with Pokemon Red and Blue. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I keep trying to find someone myself who has it on 3DS port. <laughs> Both. Wait, maybe we can trade one time. Maybe we can. Yeah. You could. Blue. <laughs> there you go. Well, on that note, we're going to go talk on other stuff now. But thank you for coming on. You're thank you, Gwen. Thank Bye you, for Gwen. Now. Bye. Nice talking to you. Bye. See you. <laughs> that was the cutest interview we've ever had on the show. Oh, my, oh my God. God. <laughs> I'm She's glad we so finally cute. made it happen. Thank you. I'm glad we... Uh, we found a way to, to get her on board, and this seemed like yeah. the perfect opportunity. <laughs> yes, that was so cute. She has such an adorable laugh. <laughs> yes, she does. It, it's infectious. Well, now we have the definitive take on Pokemon Let's Go, and I don't need to there ask anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so did you get two Mews then, Nathan? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be getting two Mews. I still haven't taken out the Pokeball yet, though, but uh, I'll be getting to it. Just haven't taken them out yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, at all. Because Eevee Silver Powder, I don't actually need it. <laughs> the Mew. That's <laughs> oh, <laughs> basically what Gwen just said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, but that kind of reminds me of, uh, did you get both versions of, then, Greg? No, I did not. Um, her dad has already picked it up at his place for um, for her with uh, the Let's Go Eevee. And then uh, she doesn't know it yet, but we have our Switch coming that has the special edition one. And it has Eevee Ooh. on it as well. So oh. But that's for Christmas that we got as a family gift for ourselves. So I'll finally have a Switch at Christmas. Nice. Yeah. I was actually about to mention that deck. It would be what reminded me of when me and my dad or when my dad had it too, because my dad would play Pokemon along with me when I was a kid. Oh nice. So, so just so just kinda of reminds me of that. You know, we would battle each other like when when we had time and it was it was fun. It was kinda of like a childhood memory. Yeah, bonding experience. Yeah, yeah. I feel like when uh, whenever the next version, the next big gen one comes, I think I'll probably get that with her, and then her and I can dual and stuff like that but since she has a switch at her dad's as well so that way if they bring it over whenever we can we can battle it out 
Yeah, I think all of this speaks to the the kind of magic of Pokemon, the accessibility, the fact that there are so many different layers to it that can be enjoyed by either younger players or seasoned players, and the 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 shared kind of experience of coming together and uh, each having your own version and trading with somebody who's close to you. Like I've, like I said, I, I play with my my partner, and um, when I was a kid, I had friends who played it. Nathan got to play it with his dad. Greg is a dad and is playing with his daughter. Like. That's so cool that everybody can kind of enjoy Pokemon and that it continues to have that that magical quality about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yay for Pokemon. The power Indeed. of Pokemon. The power of Pokemon. The power of friendship. Uh, the episode oh, title. No. The power of Pokemon. No Very one good. has said that yet in Let's Go, so here's <laughs> That's shocking. It's coming. It's coming at some point. I bet it will. Yeah. If you and if you as long as you and your Pikachu are best friends, you can do anything. Something Except like handle when Pikachu talks. Oh my god. Yeah. So no. cute. What? Cute. I'm I mean, Reynolds though. I'm talking oh, like me. Detective Pikachu? No, I was just meaning how like everyone was super shocked in whatever the last oh, that movie. Oh, oh that, yeah. I always want to be with you. Yeah. Well that that was that was pretty stupid. So yeah, that was weird. But it wasn't like a dream, so I guess you can kind of explain it away. Oh, was it okay? That makes yeah more sense. Yeah. Oh, okay. That okay. I never That's had context for it. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I actually being shocked. Haha, <laughs> shocked. I saw that movie <laughs> in theaters. They they had a, a special because it was the twentieth anniversary, I think. Yes, Pokemon. So they had an actual one night event, and I went with my friends and saw it. Keeping this came out like a year ago, year and a half ago, or something. Um, I went and saw it in theaters, and they gave us a special Pikachu trading card and stuff. Yes. Like, it, it was cute. Uh, do you know the premise of that movie? It's that they they rewrote the sort of first episode of the anime, first episode ever, and oh, made it into a full-length movie. Nice. Yeah, and then the, the whole thing is because at the end of that first episode, Ash sees Ho-Oh flying through the sky, and they, you know, that was a Pokemon that would never be, addressed. Yeah, it wouldn't be revealed yeah. until a generation later. And so in the movie, it, it's actually like, they see him, and then they actually go searching after Ho-Oh, and then for some reason, the new mythical Pokemon, Marshadow, is involved. It's a whole thing. <laughs> and and I, was, I, was reading, I thought it was just going to be like a remake of the first uh, the first like episode or so, but it's this whole new different thing. Yeah. And then they can sell Marshadow. I thought it was the first mm-hmm. movie or something like that they were redoing. Anyways. It, yeah, that whole thing kind question. of felt like, like the end of the first movie, only reversed or something. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, something that I wanted to move on to besides uh, our now playing is there was an absolute glut of information released at the Game Awards this past weekend. And in addition to that, there was the Kind of Funny Games Showcase on Saturday that had even more announcements. So uh, the Game Awards, I I expected so little from the Game Awards. Like in previous years, I had tuned in, um, I think the first year or two I tried watching it and it was a total cringe fest, like out of touch um, humor and references and, you know, Mountain Dew Doritos fueled gamer type jokes. And like, it, it felt very amateur and kind of embarrassing um, for for people who put so much uh, energy into to playing video games. But this year, oh my God, they step it up. It was totally different from uh, some years past and the production values were way higher. They had a lot of um, celebrities there. They had the CEOs of Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft all present at the same time. 
sharing the stage. That was a cool thing. That was awesome. Yeah. Like the universe would explode. I know. <laughs> and and in addition to the, I mean, I, I take umbrage with some of the the nominees and the the arrangement of the categories, but I guess like personally, I don't have too much investment in you know who wins what award necessarily. There, were, I did really want Celeste to win an award, and it did, so I was very happy for them on that. Um, but a lot of the nominees are like, yeah, it's typical. All of the AAA games that sell the most are the ones getting nominated. And there are so many games that go underrepresented at functions like that just because they have limited sort of penetration into the, the market or whatever. Um, so it was, on a personal note, like if we're talking about categories, I was kind of eye-rolling at Red Dead Redemption winning so many things, especially Best Soundtrack. Like, come on. That was yeah, horrible. Yeah, that was a robbery. Like, Best Soundtrack over Octopath and Celeste. Are you kidding me? Seems a little silly. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and that's not to devalue the work that goes into making the sound for a game like Red Dead Redemption 2. I just find no. that, like, I get it. It's it's a like an Ennio Morricone Western score. We've heard it before. It's not anything, I don't know. I, it's not to my taste, so maybe it's not fair for me to, to pounce on it like that, but I was just like, really, you guys, this is like the, the most sort of basic choice you could have made, but... Um, that aside, I found um, a lot of enjoyment in watching the Game Awards. I was, uh, like I said, no expectations, and I sat there watching it, and they just rolled out announcement after announcement after announcement of really good-looking games for the most part, and not just big-budget things, but like a lot of really cool-looking indies. Um, and also a lot of games that were thematically uh, distinct from one another. It wasn't like what you would expect to see at a gaming awards show, like it's all shooters, all explosions and stuff, because mm -hmm. we've had discussions in the past about how E3 conferences can sometimes like really go hard into that. Like everything is just gory, mature explosions, violence. And um, I'm not really interested in a lot of that kind of stuff. And so it can get kind of, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth and that's all we see. So I'm really glad that even though there were some really violent things, like there was the mortal Kombat thing, which I wasn't into, but that's mortal Kombat. Um, and there was, uh, what, Far Cry 5, or I forget, that had a lot of, like, post-apocalyptic, we're going to shoot everything. And it's like, okay, cool. But then they had all these things like, uh, what was Sayonara something or other? Shoot. It was like a pop album video game they described it as. And then we had the, the Last Campfire, which looked like Chibi Journey. Super adorable. There was Pathless, the uh, action sort of, I couldn't really tell exactly what the gameplay was like, but you played as a, like a Kunoichi who has a hawk and these beautiful cel-shaded environments and stuff, like all kinds of neat stuff. But um, I, I wanted to get into some of the more relevant ones for us specifically, since we are an RPG fan. Um, the first, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and start with the biggest announcement from the show. Near the very end of it, there was a part where the the broadcast sort of went fuzzy and then the screen turned red. And uh, all of a sudden you hear some Persona characters speaking and it sounds like they're on a mission or they, they got an invite somewhere. And for once they didn't send a calling card, they received one because Joker from Persona 5 is going to be the first DLC character in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Yay! Oh, man, that was so hype. I was actually in line for the minute launch and I was just weird like a... Everyone, well, a lot of people line up watching the Game Awards, and everyone was just kind of just freaking out. It was just like, what, what's going on with what, what's their Persona thing? Then everyone lost their minds and saw it was Smash. It was, it, was, <laughs> it was a good moment. Oh, yeah. I, I lost my mind for sure. Um, I had been watching the, the stream at home, 
And then it got towards the end of it. And I was like, all right, I'm starving. We have this little pub that's like three minutes away from our house. So I was like, I'm just going to pop over and, and get a burger. And uh, I was sitting there at the bar with, with the stream on my phone. And I didn't have any sound at that point. So it was, again, it was like the last 20 minutes of the show. And I was talking or something. And then I glanced down at my phone. And then I just just barely started to catch the beginning of when it turned red. And I was like, what? 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 What is this? Oh, my God. And I was very much like, I'm sure I was causing a scene. <laughs> I, I damn near fell out of my chair. I'm sure the beer didn't help. But someone's <laughs> like, I'll have what he's having. Right? Hype. <laughs> I was having a large serving of hype. <laughs> and I just like that um, uh, they posted on their Twitter, too. They're like, no one saw it coming kind of thing. Or you didn't see it coming. Yep. Mm-hmm. And just following with that, it just wouldn't be even funnier if they were just like, and also Waluigi. <laughs> just would have just oh like been so dumb and thrown everybody. Wow. Yeah, what an announcement. Um, I think that announcement, and first of all, hype. I'm super excited. I can't wait to see Joker in Persona 5. I think he's an excellent addition. And Smash, you mean? Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, in Smash. Joker from Persona 5 in Smash. Sorry. <laughs> uh, excellent, excellent choice. Um, he's got a move set that works perfectly, I think with the game. And I'm excited to see what they do. If he's going to have like personas or if it'll just all be his kind of gunplay and stuff. Uh, it has, there everything. has to be personas. Yeah. Persona for yeah. sure. And maybe, maybe it'll be like a, a kind of like a, a Shulk thing where he can shift between different persona for different attacks or oh, man. things like that. That'd be so cool. Yeah, what a great what a great announcement. And uh, besides him being a playable character, that announcement signaled quite a few other things. So first of all, it uh, confirms that Joker is coming with his own stage and a bunch of Persona music for Smash. That's what makes me most excited. It's going to be to hear the music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what stage do you guys think it's going to be? Oh, I'm guessing the casino. Yeah, that would be that would make sense. I'm going to guess Velvet Room or maybe Shibuya. Okay. Yeah, I think any of those could work. Either like the Shibuya Scramble or, uh, yeah, the Prison of the Velvet Room. Okay. Yeah, I actually hadn't even really thought of those. Okay, so we have we have that. We're going to have music. Um, I assume they're going to uh, make some new arrangements of the music, but we'll probably also get some untouched um, music. Didn't they say it was like five music tracks per stage or something? Uh, they didn't, I don't think they specified. Uh, they specify. at, least I don't, at least I don't recall them specifying. Okay, but we'll definitely get music. So that's the thing that that was um, implied slash confirmed by the announcement. Also, that means we're going to get a Joker amiibo. Oh my god! Yes. Yeah. Right. I want that. I need that. Um, and also, it uh, leads into this other rumor that's been swirling around, and it's that Atlas is um, purportedly going to be releasing a an enhanced version of persona 5 on the nintendo switch um that's a huge deal and this is not confirmed this is just a rumor but um a a credible source uh twitter user who goes by the name mystic distance who is uh actually somebody who was involved in some of the leaks for super smash brothers ultimate and i guess that may or may not have landed them in hot water um, but this person does not work for like Nintendo or anything. They just have some credible sources. But anyway, um, it turns out that uh, supposedly Atlas has been working on, or at least considering a Switch version of Persona 5 for Switch since mid-2017. 
and the uh, rumored version uh, will contain adjustments to the game and add new aspects to the scenario amongst other requested additions. I'm just reading this text from a Silicon Era article. Um, and then also there are some registered domains uh, by Atlas that they have pers uh, p5ag.jp, p5r.jp, and p5u.jp. Who knows what any of those could mean, but I think all of those kind of point towards uh, a new Persona 5 thing existing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would make sense. And I feel like uh, if they're going to add Joker to Smash, uh, then we can't play the game he's from on a Nintendo console. So wouldn't it make sense for them to make that possible? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I for one would replay it. Um, I think I've been, I've gone on record as, as a little harsh on Persona 5. Um, just some aspects of it that really stuck with me and left a bad taste in my mouth with like the the less than stellar localization in some aspects, and also like the some of the characterization and like the themes that I thought were a little bothersome, considering the idea was like rebelling, and then it's, it felt like very I'm going to use the word conservative in in some like thematically conservative or um, what's the word I'm looking for like culturally conservative. Uh, so overall, I think Persona Five is still a standout game, and it seems like whenever I bring it up to talk about it, I end up kind of fixating on those things. So I don't mean to uh, be super negative on it, but I, I would welcome the opportunity to revisit it, especially with some added scenario stuff. <gasps> what if they make um, Shogi Girl a playable character? That would be, be awesome. amazing. Yeah. I want her. Yeah, she's such a cool design. I would love to see her in the party. So, yeah, that that was the the biggest, most exciting um, piece of news from the Game Awards. There were all kinds of things, but that's the one that I think knocked everybody's socks off, and I can't wait to see how all of that plays out. Um, additionally, at the Game Awards, we got some announcements for other RPGs. Um, the first, I believe, was that Team Ninja is working on Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order, and it's going to be a Nintendo Switch exclusive. Um, I've never played any of the Ultimate Alliance games. Have any of you? Nope. Uh, I briefly played Ultimate Alliance 1. Uh, it was kind of fun, but uh, a little bit repetitive. Okay. Greg, have Not you that. played? No, I've, uh, I was never a big enough Marvel fanboy to dive into those things. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not such a Marvel fan myself, but I uh, have a friend who was like extremely excited about that announcement because he's played all of those as like co-op things, and it's been uh, a big event for him every time one comes out. So, I know a lot of folks are excited, and especially because the last Ultimate Alliance was a was it a geez was it PS2 or PS3? It's been some time. It was on PS3, but it's been quite a while. Yeah, like early era PS3, early yeah. PS3, yeah. Yeah, so that's exciting for folks who are interested in um, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. They finally got a new one, and that's also a good opportunity for them to include some of the characters that have been featuring in a lot of these major films lately, and they can use it to promote upcoming films and stuff. So Marvel is a, a whirlwind uh, franchise that has all kinds of stuff going on all the time, and I personally can't keep up, but that's very exciting for the folks who do. Uh, another big announcement at the Game Awards was Supergiant, the makers of Bastion and Transistor, announced Hades. It is their new action RPG that has uh, extraordinarily obvious Souls-like influences. It looks like you are going through, like, battling through some areas against members of the Greek pantheon, possibly. Uh, I think you're... Are you in Hades? You must be, right? Or, or is Hades the god who is present there? I don't know. Are you Hades? I think you're his son. Okay. 
Because um, there's a screenshot, I think, where Zeus says something about nephew, right? My Greek mythology is is a little lacking. Is, Hades and, and Zeus are brothers. Okay. Yeah, so that would make whoever you're playing as Zeus's nephew, Hades' son. Yeah. Um, yeah, the bearded looks... guy at the beginning is supposed to be Hades. You can oh. see Cerberus behind him. Oh, okay. Duh, duh. It looks um, just like Transistor in terms of its isometric perspective and like the character model and everything. Um, it's got its own kind of flair to it, but it seems like since Transistor, Supergiant has kind of stuck to this uh, structure, model, formula. Um, Pyre was a break with tradition because it was a three-on-three fantasy magic basketball game, which was excellent in my opinion. But uh, this one's going back a little bit to the the action RPG roots that Supergiant is known for. So the the big surprise was that Hades, uh, as of the announcement, was immediately playable in early access. So uh, they they released it through the Epic Game Store. I had never heard of the Epic Game Store before the Game Awards. Had any of you? I think I want to say it's it's new, isn't it? It's um, because well, Epic Games does Fortnite, right? Yes. Okay. Because I've never played Fortnite. And I know it's huge, but uh, I didn't realize that they had their own storefront. Or I guess this was kind of like the launch of their new storefront or something. But anyway, it's meant to be a Steam competitor of sorts. Uh, or maybe closer to like a GOG competitor. Um, I don't know if there's... DRM. I think they have their own client. Can any of you confirm? <laughs> I haven't used it yet. I I don't even go anywhere near that. But uh... yeah, so it's uh, they just launched it actually. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, if you're interested in Hades, um, sorry, what's that, Nathan? I just I haven't tried it yet. I just launched it ago. So okay. Yeah. So Hades is available in early access. It's 19.99, and um, their their vision is to kind of make this into a a Souls-like, roguelike action RPG that has chapters roll out um, every so often, not unlike the different arcs of a TV show or, or an animated series. So, um, It's certainly got beautiful art, but when has a Supergiant game not had beautiful art? Yeah, it looks so neat. Mm-hmm. And Darren Korb returns once again to compose the music for it, and his compositions Yay. are always excellent. So um, I'm I'm interested in it. Uh, I think I might actually try for the early access because if it's twenty bucks and you get you know all future content and updates included in that price, I think that's not so bad at all. Um, so I think I'll I'll probably try it out and uh, report back on the show one of these days. So I just have to figure out what the Epic Game Store is all about. And they are offering through the Epic Game Store uh, free games. I guess every two weeks or so they rotate out one free game. The uh, first one is going to be Subnautica, and then the second one is going to be Super Meat Boy Forever. It's a Meat Boy game, I can't recall. So, I mean, it seems like a pretty sweet deal to get in and start getting free games. Um, I think it just seems like you have to use their their client and platform along the lines of Steam or Origin or whatever. Um, I sort of wish these could all be unified under a single heading, but oh well. Yeah, it'd be nice. Oh, so it sounds well. like they're kind of competing with like what Xbox Live and PS Gold does kind of thing to encourage people to be there yeah although it seems like you don't even have to pay for their you don't have to pay it's just like have an account and as long as you log in in the the time frame you get access to it to add it to your library i think it's interesting yeah we'll see how that plays out Uh, another big announcement at the show was obsidian announced outer worlds their new um sci-fi possibly post-apocalyptic or at least like 
galactic RPG. I don't really know much about this other than the trailer that we saw. Have you looked into it much, Caitlin? Um, yes. So they had a, I don't, I'm not sure where, but they had a hands-off demo, um, which you can find some footage of that, um, probably with commentary um, on YouTube. And it, it does, it definitely looks a lot like Fallout in space, kind of. Um, yeah, that's what I got from it. It looks beautiful like the environment looks bright and colorful it immediately looks a lot more interesting to me than the sort of drab kind of uh setting of uh post-apocalyptic uh uh where was fallout for boston or yes that yeah. sounds right um, so that's, there's that, uh, you, the demo had you with, uh, two companions right off the bat. Um, so it's not quite clear, like how far into the game it is. Um, but you, you had companions that showed up, like, you know, they had their own stats and whatnot. You could talk with them. Um, the, your character does not speak apparently. So it's more of a return to that sort of traditional, uh, experience, um, where you can sort of put your own voice into into play, um, but I mean, other than that, I mean, I, I skimmed through some of it, but it definitely looks a lot like you know a kind of Fallout like experience with shooting guns. Uh, there are crazy monsters. Um, there's something going on with uh, perks and whatnot. I'm not sure I have the full story uh, about it, um, but it sounds like it might be that you can. You can choose to uh, to gain a perk uh, alongside a, a phobia, I think, of okay. monsters. And I'm not sure how if it's just like as you kill a certain number of monsters, you can you can gain a phobia. But there's also a, an upside to it. Um, uh, all very early on, obviously, um, but it might be kind of an interesting sort of twist on a perk system if it involves actual gameplay and and uh your your uh your preferences regarding like what kind of enemies you fight and then trying to uh, figure out strategically what phobias to take in order to get certain bonuses or whatnot but um very neat yeah I, um, it has a bit of an aesthetic to follow too as well yes yeah it feels a little bit more in the uh older style i think of fallout than the newer ones from what i can tell which makes sense with the original creators being involved Exactly. It's one to keep an eye on. Um, if only Rob Steinman was here, I'm sure he'd have plenty to say about it. <laughs> but I, I, for one, am not like I'm not such a devotee of the Fallout series, so I, uh, I don't really have any strong opinions on it yet. It's one that uh, may shape into something cool, so I certainly wouldn't write it off. But it's neat that the original creators are working on something new, kind of in that same vein. So let's yeah. let's hope their experience uh, makes a cool product. So Fallout mm -hmm. for like. I don't know. I I don't think I necessarily bounced off it as hard as some people did, but I definitely bounced off it. Like it just got kind of uh and I think the the immediate thing with this game is just how it looks more much more vibrant and colorful just not even just like literally the colors, but it it looks like it has the potential to be a much more interesting world than that that sort of same, oh, well, it's post-apocalyptic, locked in 1950s America kind of thing. So mm. I'm, I'm excited to see more about this. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, so. I think yeah, the definitely feels very Borderlands-y, No Man's Sky kind of thing. 
Yeah, it kind of feels a little bit more in that vein. Um, so I'm all for that. Okay. Yeah. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, let's see. So there is another Game Awards announcement that I want to get to, but I think it ties into a question that we're going to answer from a listener later on. So I'm going to postpone that for just a moment. There mm. was a, uh, a stream. The So Greg Miller, who uh, I can't stand, um, <laughs> hosted. <laughs> he has the kind of funny awards, or he, you know, kind of funny Greg Miller's from that. Um, uh, Rob Steinman also has expressed his distaste. Not such a fan. I don't really like his style, but uh, the kind of funny... I think it was the awards or something uh, happened on, or sorry, kind of funny games showcase happened on Saturday. And there were a number of video game announcements on that, mostly smaller indie titles. But I think the one that's most relevant to us in our coverage is Y2K, a postmodern RPG. Um, This finally got a release date after years. I remember I played Y2K for the first time at, um, when I lived in Tucson, Arizona, there was Camp Fangamer. Fangamer is the video game merch company that um, sells that originally got their start with Earthbound related merchandise like via Starman.net, and they've sort of become the de facto creator of ridiculously high quality polished games merch. So Camp Fangamer was more or less an Earthbound convention, and they held it in Tucson, and uh, it was a fairly small thing. But the at at Camp Fangamer, I mean, it was like at a hotel, and they had basically just a couple of rooms rented out and a main stage where they played music a couple of times, and it was quaint, but. In, in one of the handful of um, rooms at the con, they had a demo station set up for Y2K, mostly because Y2K is heavily inspired by Earthbound in the sort of like quirky um, 90s America style of uh, like world design. And it's, it's uh, I, I previewed this a while back. So I played it there at Camp Fangamer and I also played it at E3, I want to say two years ago. And I wrote a preview of it. And it's this like hyper surrealist, um, kind of like Haruki Murakami inspired uh, turn-based RPG set in the 90s. And it's got like the main character is like a hipster who throws vinyls at enemies. And there's like a like a robot girl, I think. Um, and God, it's been so long that I can't even remember the main premise of it. Like I know somebody somebody goes missing, like somebody's brother or sister goes missing and you're trying to find them. And um i'm not really doing talking about it yeah i'm not doing the game justice but um it's it's spelled like y roman numeral 2k y-i-i-k and uh it it just looks so bizarre and cool and i'm excited to to have heard that it's finally releasing on january 17th it's also coming to uh switch originally it was going to be a pc game but it's coming to switch as well and then vita later in the year and um it might actually be coming to something else uh, PS4, Switch, PC, and Mac on January 17th, and then PS Vita later in 2019. Well, someone still loves the Vita. Yeah. I'm surprised that they've really uh, pushed to get a, a Vita release of it out. Oh, it's also got, uh, notably, it's got the soundtrack has contributions from Toby Fox, Undertale's composer and oh. creator, and Hiroki Kikuta, Secret of Mana's composer. So they've got some pretty big names on board. It just looks it looks bizarre and cool. Go look it up. Y2K, a postmodern RPG. It's coming out pretty soon. The, the final uh, non-reader question related announcement that I wanted to bring up is, here's one I didn't really see coming. Tales of Crestoria is getting a Western release in 2019. This is 
kind of, I mean, it's the latest entry in the Tales series, but it's not a mainline console RPG. It is a smartphone game, which uh, personally, it kicks my enthusiasm down several notches. But um, seeing as I'm now a filthy convert to the ways of the gacha game and I'm still playing Dragalia Lost, I guess anything is possible. So um, <laughs> Tales of Crestoria is coming out in English in the West in 2019. The sort of theme of the game is, or the tagline rather, is live, even if it's a sin. And it's genre because the Tales game, the Tales series games always have like their own genre attached to them, which are all made up nonsense. But this is a RPG written in blood and betrayal. That's the genre. Wow. Yeah. So there's a, if you check out the, there's a Tales of Crestoria English Twitter account now. It's uh, T-O underscore Crestoria underscore E-N. And they have like a little teaser trailer with an announcement, and you can see some of the character art, which is pretty nice actually. Um, some some interesting character designs on that one. And I'm the teaser going, was intense. Yeah, I'm going to showcase my my ignorance on this game here. I have no idea if it's going to be like a gotcha game or if it's going to be like a you buy scenarios or whatever. But uh, it's possible it could be decent. So I'm going to keep an eye on that, especially since it's it feels like it's been forever since Tales of Berseria came out. So I'm kind of interested in seeing what happens next with the Tales series. Um, connected to that, they did announce that the Tales Festa, which is the, I don't, know, I don't know if it's annual, actually, the semi-regular uh, fan event held in Japan where they announce Tales-related things. That's going to be happening uh, in the summertime. And they haven't given any information about like what's going to debut there or whatever, but it's going to be a thing. So we'll hear more about Tales in uh, in the summer of 2019, possibly the announcement of the new flagship title. Woo, that has been a lot of news. Um, and that's not even everything that came out over the weekend. There's just, there's so much, and not all of it is necessarily strictly RPG related, but a lot of the announcements are very, very exciting. Um, I do want to segue into a listener question that was left to us. Greg, um, you fielded a question from, I don't know if it's J. Scarpe or J.S. Carp, like short for Carpenter, or J. Yeah. Scarpe but he left us a question. What was that question? Uh, What do you think, everybody, uh, is the future of the various Bioware RPG series? Since obviously um, a lot of them have been met lukewarm lately. I think that's what they're getting at. Uh, And does the future of Bioware hinge then on the success of Anthem? Well, the question Mm. comes at an interesting time. Do you know if it was left before or after the Game Awards? This was definitely before the Game Awards. So I'm wondering how Jay Scarp's question could be shaped differently. But when we were talking about this in the pre-show, you did mention that it's still very relevant. uh, Because uh, I think Caitlin mentioned that it's very relevant still that uh, there's nothing saying Anthem can't tank and and stop everything in its tracks. So, Yeah, it's true. Mm -hmm. uh, Wasn't there some kind of like... Um, press access to Anthem that some places got or it's like still under embargo? I don't know. Um, there was an alpha uh, this weekend, but it was not for press. Um, there was a strict NDA requiring people to not speak about it in any capacity. Um, we actually inquired if press could participate and if they would have an exception to that NDA and the answer was a resounding no. Um, <laughs> this is just a sort of a feedback for them to get uh, player feedback to improve the game. Um, so that's happening this weekend. Of course, there will be at least one beta uh, probably in January or early February uh, for the game that will uh, either be completely open or it will at least be open to uh, Origin members. 
um, or and people who pre-ordered, of course. Um, so that's been going on. Um, but they did show a uh, story trailer at the Game Awards. It was, there was no gameplay to, to be seen. It was all characters talking about something. This is what's interesting to me is that we didn't really know the context of the name Anthem. Um, I think I, I assumed it was just like either just, hey, Anthem, or if it was meant to refer to the order of like the javelin pilots, you know, an anthem for soldiers or whatnot. But apparently anthem is a thing or a person or some sort of force possibly similar in, in style to like maybe the traveler from destiny, some sort of alien mm. power. Mm. Um, but they caught, they referred to the anthem. So that's probably going to factor into the story of the game. Um, beyond that, it, it, was just like oh this this alien world and monsters and the javelin pilots are our first line of defense and their facial animations looked really good so there's that <laughs> but we don't have too much to go on as to whether it's going to be bioware saving yeah it was kind of funny because casey hudson was there to sort of introduce it and it was like hey, I, we've been so focused on gameplay that we haven't really shown you much about story and that's going to change and then it was like a two minute or less very vague trailer very i'm excited for the game but it kind of felt a little generic so there's that hopefully that just means that this is the start and that in the next two months we will get more and more details from them about the story because i think i think everyone is rightfully most concerned about the story especially considering what bioware has told us about uh characters and and the what little that they've trickled out about the story, um, uh, so yeah, there's there's that. And I mean, I think Anthem Anthem could tank. It might not. Um, I was saying pre-show that uh, Anthem. I mean, it might drive away traditional like you know uh, RPG hardcore fans, but it might also draw in the crowd that really likes Destiny because it certainly is looking like it's kind of Bioware's attempt at doing kind of a Destiny thing. Right. Um, so, you know, with regards to whether it will be a financial failure or success, I mean, that's kind of up in the air. At the moment, yeah. Yeah. Um, depending on what it ends up being, it might, I, I could see it making, uh, you know, traditional like Bioware RPG fans uh, just say, that's it. The, the, the studio is, is dead. <laughs> they're, they're either, they're, they're creating flops or they're making stuff like Anthem that isn't really what I want from a Bioware game. So it has maybe the potential there to, uh, to impact Bioware, but um I, I'm trying to stay positive because I'm interested enough of the world of Anthem and the gameplay to give it a shot. And I, I don't know, maybe it's the, the ever-failing optimism. I don't want to think that Anthem is going to be like the last thing that Bioware does because not only would that be sad to lose Bioware, but I mean, it would be sad if their last thing was something that they're not really known for strong for the kind of experience that we really love from Bioware that assuming that Anthem like a lot of people are afraid is a totally different direction and not like you know true peak Bioware RPG form obviously you know this is all a lot of speculation we don't really know yeah. until the end of February rolls around well, just, um, sorry you're saying I was going to say though that uh, 
the reason why we we feel rated, you know, talking about Game Awards announcements and and wait on this last one is because we had a teaser trailer at the Game Awards, very very teaser, like there's it's barely even a trailer uh, for an untitled Dragon Age game um, that we're all just kind of I think collectively calling Dragon Age Four right now because there is no official title for the game. Yeah. yeah. Um, very short. It was basically some interesting looking artwork showing someone fighting a shadow wolf like figure um, and voiceover from a particular character from Inquisition that I don't necessarily want to spoil if you haven't played the game. Mm. It's a character that they are not who they seem in that game. And <laughs> this trailer makes me think that they will be making an appearance in maybe in a significant way in the game. Um, but it's confirmation uh, that Dragon Age 4 is a thing, um, mm-hmm. even more so than, yeah. And it's it's going to be a long way out. Like this, I don't think anyone's expecting this game for at least three years, if not more. Um, you did Inquisition, and I have not. Uh, Derek, did you? Did you, Nathan? I've been, mean to, I've been mean to, but I didn't get around to it. Um, cause obviously looping back into the first part of Jiscarp's question is, uh, like, you know, after Inquisition, did you see that as kind of being like, uh, I don't know if they need to make another one of these or, um, I didn't, I, I saw, I mean, I think that most of the hesitation surrounding Bioware's credibility as a studio or whatever started with Mass Effect Andromeda because right. that mm-hmm. game, you know, was a symptom of, a protracted development cycle and they had to rebuild a lot of the assets in it like midway through development and like there were there were a lot of issues on the production side of that game that um, led to it releasing in the state it was in and even then it's not like it's a terrible game or anything I just think that there was a lot of really hyperbolic fan outcry when it came out that sort of tarnished the reputation of the studio which in turn probably led to them deprioritizing Mass Effect as a franchise um, so with Dragon Age I just sort of felt like another one would happen eventually, but um, I, I didn't see like Dragon Age's Inquis- Dragon Age Inquisition's reception as being negative enough to warrant like skepticism on whether or not Bioware would continue to exist. Yeah, I agree. I think the the main game in Inquisition is it feels kind of final for the sort of the build up because I mean there are elements of Inquisition that that relate back to Dragon Age two. Um, and it sort of felt like kind of a an end to that. But then there was DLC that came out for Inquisition, one of which ended very much in a way that suggested that we were going to see certain characters again. Um, it was, in some respects, almost kind of a cliffhanger kind of uh, resolution. Um, so I don't know. I With that DLC, I was kind of like, well, they're going to have to do something else because they left some breadcrumbs there that need to be resolved. But, um, but and, yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I never really thought, oh, well, that's it for Dragon Age. And I, I believe that we will see Mass Effect again sometime. It's not like, you know, Derek said, it's been deprioritized. It hasn't been destroyed. And certainly Andromeda, for all of its, uh, failings creates at least the potential for a comeback for the series Mm. Um, whether that's you know a continuation or down the line if it's some sort of reboot or side story or something like that i don't know 
I'm, I want to be optimistic, like I said, about Bioware, because it's one of my most beloved studios, and I, uh, I don't want it to be, to be gone. Yeah. Not, and especially not just for having, like, uh, sort of an, almost an unfair development situation uh, handed to them, and then having the result be a lot of, like, negative backlash, and yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't really, I, I'm not as invested in some of the buyer franchises, but I still think that they're worthy of continuation. I think the original Mass Effect trilogy, trilogy was overall a really excellent experience that was pretty, uh, it defined a lot of the generation, I think, because it was a game that really helped make the, like, choose your own storyline, branching dialogue options kind of thing. I think it, it didn't pioneer it, but it certainly popularized it. Mm-hmm. And it led to a lot of games um, imitating it for for quite a while. So it's a very important trilogy of games. And I, you know, I think Inquisition itself was perfectly fine. I didn't beat it, but I I did spend probably like forty hours with it or so. So um, I guess we'll see what comes next. We won't know for a few years, but it's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's that. Yeah, Thank that's you question. for your question. Yeah, Jay Scarpe. Jo- I think it's Joshua. Carpenter is his like full display name, right? I don't know. Anyway, Jay, <laughs> just Scarp. Thank you so much for your question, and uh, to all of our other listeners, feel free to get at us through the Discord if you have similar questions, and uh, we may or may not be able to answer them, but we will do our best. Thank you for uh, contributing that. Um, any other loose ends? Anybody else wants to touch upon that I didn't mention from Game Awards, etc.? I think we covered most of it. I think, I think so. there were some role playing games we talked about. Yeah. <laughs> A handful. Uh, okay. Well, then, uh, with all that exciting news, uh, we've got plenty of stuff to play at home. I know I'm going to be knee-deep in Smash for many weeks, especially with that uh, Joker DLC coming. i gotta, I got to keep polishing mm-hmm. my skills. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll have more exciting RPG talk in the coming weeks. I know there is a Final Fantasy XIV live letter happening uh, a little less than two weeks from now. We may end up recording an episode before that happens, but Caitlin and I will definitely want to dish on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would like to jump into Super Giants Hades and hopefully have some impressions there. I mm-hmm. won't 100% promise I'll do it, but uh, it's I opened up the game store in my browser, so we'll see what One happens. One step closer. One step closer. Well, if uh, you've enjoyed the show today and you have any questions, comments, or spare potions, you can email us at podcast at rpgfan.com. Or as I mentioned before, you can get at us on the Discord, and Greg would be happy to read your questions and potentially field them on the show. Yeah. Uh, you can also subscribe to us uh, through iTunes or the RSS feed, or you can like our page at facebook.com slash RPG fancom and follow us on Twitter at RPG fancom. Uh, with that said, I think that's going to do it for us today. So thank you so much for tuning in for me, Caitlin, Greg, and Nathan. We appreciate you listening and we will see you all later. Turn their chest into a spiral of flame. <laughs> <laughs> what is that from? It's the Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers. Oh, oh God.